Directions Magazine. This is Directions on the News for Tuesday, November 11th, 2014. This weekly podcast gives you an inside edge on technology news related to all things location. This is Joe Francica, Editor-in-Chief in Huntsville, Alabama. And this is Adina Schutzberg, Executive Editor in Muscatine, Iowa. Is there a new geospatial framework where GIS, building information models, and 3D are converging? What new solutions exist that make them indistinguishable, and does it matter? We'll tackle that and more, but first a word from our sponsor. Directions Magazine is the leader in geospatial technology webinars. If your organization is interested in more sales leads, stronger brand awareness, and positioning your company as a key thought leader, then let us help you deliver a professionally produced live event that reaches a global audience. For more information on both our 30- and 60-minute webinar formats, go to www.geospatialwebinars.com. Adina, for some time we seem to have been on this path where GIS solutions had to incorporate uh, incorporate, uh, true 3D objects Civil design and CAD solutions had to be based upon a georeference coordinate system, and building models now must accommodate for new technologies like indoor navigation, sensor networks, etc. Put all this together, and you come up with technologies that are colliding to spawn uh, what I would call a, a new solution uh, or, or new software applications that are not called GIS or CAD. They just work to solve a problem. And a, f- a few weeks ago, we discussed whether GIS is splitting. Well, now I'd like us to consider whether there are other aspects of technology evolution that we need to be aware of. So let me give you an example. So I saw one such software solution this week at the uh, Bentley Year in Infrastructure event in London. And the base data, uh, to start with, was a 3- 3D topographic uh, model. And aerial imagery was used, I believe, upon which the user could interactively create building models. So there's a sketching tool where you draw out a building outline. The objective was to site a new building footprint and estimate the cut and fill needed for site prep. So the user would move the building footprint that he had created with the drawing tool by using uh, the base topographic data, and they could see how the cost would change in real time. So if you're on a hill and you move the building further into the hill, the cut and fill calculations would change. In addition, if the building needed to incorporate a parking lot, there were drawing tools uh, in which the user could essentially um, specify the spaces and then it would essentially stamp the imprint of the layout of this parking uh, area on the topography. And its extents would change on the fly depending on how much land was available and the position of the building footprint. So in the end, the user knew the necessary space allocation and the cost. Now, the product uh, was called SiteOps. It was a recent uh, Bentley acquisition. And and so there there it was. It, it, It incorporated 3D. It had some GIS, and it had building information. Now, now, the one caveat is that it didn't directly in, integrate with, with Bentley yet. Uh, it, it could export DGN files. I'm sure there are other examples of a product like this, but it brought to mind that it, it really didn't care what it did. It just did a really good job of telling me what my space allocation would be. It told me cost in real time. 
So it, it was a really good example. And, and I'm sure there are others. And our good friend Jeff Seiss has recognized this convergence for some, some time. And I've put a link in the show notes where he describes some of these real world examples, like from the city of Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So we had a similar discussion about BIM and GIS last year around this time. And I just thought it was worth revisiting the current situation. So, what do you see? Do, do we care what we call this convergence? Is it an evolution of things? And, and I'm just curious where you, you're coming down on this. Well, I think the more I read about BIM and try to understand where it fits with other technologies or processes, the more I realize that what we call these things and, and where we draw the lines don't really help. Uh, they, they create conflict. Uh, sometimes that's good because it helps to educate. Uh, it certainly helped to educate me. But I think what I'm beginning to understand is that it's really about getting the right data sets, getting the right sort of parametrics into a environment where you can do exactly what you just said, which at some level comes back to playing in a sandbox, but now it's a much smarter sandbox because mm-hmm. it has all these rules and all this data about it. And I think that's sort of this vision that so many of us have had for years that could eventually come to be. And with what you're describing, we actually have it. And I think the other thing that, and maybe you have some data about this, that having this environment does in fact impact that bottom line, both in design and in construction and in long-term maintenance. Yeah, and there were several examples at the event that I uh, attended where the objective now was not just great design, but it was considering costs. And that is where I think the civil engineering industry is coming into play much more directly with GIS. Because when, when you're doing engineering, you're, you do have a, a, an eye on the bottom line. When we do GIS, we think analysis. We don't necessarily think cost. So you you take into consideration what a civil engineer has to be aware of. You take into consideration the analysis. You bring in 3D data. And then I think you, you bring to mind what I think is a catalyst in all of this, which is LIDAR. The, the ability to quickly create 3D models, I think, has, has had a revolutionary effect on, on the way we look at this. They have. And that allows you to bring in, if you like, more restrictions, more parameters for things like view sheds and sustainability and runoff and solar power, right? Because you need 3D for all those kinds of things. So again, we can move toward that best design with so many more goals in mind in in terms of what we want this project to be, again, for the short term and for the cost and then for this long-term sustainability, environmental footprint and so forth. I want to go back to the comment you had earlier about what we call it because it it brings to mind an article uh, that I've also put in the show notes by Neil Calvert, who happened to listen to our our podcast last year and had some disagreement with what we call these things. He referred to BIM as a process, not uh, an application, and I think he's right about that. And you can buy a GIS system. You can't buy a BIM. You can buy tools that help you do modeling. And the other thing he mentioned was, or I believe he mentioned it, but but at least it was said that perhaps using the B, the building part, is not uh, helping the situation. And I heard that this week as well, where 
you know, they had uh, sessions, um, BIM applied to railways or uh, BIM applied to, to something else. But, it, but the B was almost irrelevant. It was the fact that you had these models. And I, I see that more and more. I see that what we're trying to do in GS also may be a disservice because we try to put things like the word, the term geodesign into the mix here because that does a little bit of everything. But I, I think you're right that uh, maybe we're not doing ourselves a disservice by, by trying to call these things any one thing. And that's just the nature of who we are. I think that's true. I think, I think Neil Calvert really did, did a terrific job in, in responding to our thoughts. And I, I think this whole idea of thinking about BIM and, and maybe geodesign as well as more about being a process rather than being a technology or a product is, is right on. And that's part of what makes it confusing. Because as you point out, you know what a box of Excel is. Of course, we don't have boxes anymore. And you know what a box of a GIS is. But you can't have a box of geodesign. It, it's, a, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you really cobble together in the best meaning of that the data that you need, the rules that you need, the technology environment that you need, which I think more and more is going to be this mix of tools. In, in preparing for this podcast, I learned that the most recent version of SketchUp from Trimble, which just came out, supports industry foundation classes, IFC. IFC, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so that tool, which we think of as scribbling on a napkin some years ago, is actually a tool in this process, whether you call it geodesign or you call it BIM or you call it, I, I'm not even sure what we should call it. And I again, I don't think it matters. But it's another tool in our toolbox to get to this best design within the parameters that we have. And I'm just struck by the fact that, uh, I'll go back to my earlier comment, which is, we really don't care. It, we see a solution. We don't, we don't care what, it, what it, it's called. We see a solution like the one I described, and we say, that really works for me. When I saw this demonstrated, and, and there are YouTube videos on this, SideOps product, I, I didn't really care that it, that it, what, it, what it was called so much as I understood that yeah, there's a little GIS here. Oh, yeah, there's a little bit of building. And, you know, it was cool that it worked interactively. It was entirely rule-based, though. And and that, I think, is important because that, to me, signifies that there had to be some understanding of all of the facets of site prep, right? You had to know a little bit about cut and fill. You had to know that you had to have accurate uh, 3D geometry in there. So it really impressed me, regardless of the fact that I wanted to buy it, <laughs> that it just worked well. It, it was the right way to address this this problem, in, in mm-hmm. a sense. So let me go to uh, maybe a last topic here. What does this say about our ability to understand the standards that are applied to each of these technologies? Because we've come at it from, really, from very different ends. The Open Geospatial Consortium is really trying to work with other standards bodies like the Building Smart Alliance. And I think they're very much challenged because they too see this collision of technologies. And now we got to figure out a way to, to make it work together to be able to have rules in place governing how technology is going to work and ultimately how we get to a, a, a very plausible solution, whatever it is that we buy. Let me try to guess at sort of where we are now. Based on what you described, all of that data that was put together for the system that that you described, I suspect there was a lot of conversion. There was a lot of projection to get it all into the same datum. And 
and it's a it's a, it's a single use for that geography for that particular project. Is that about right? Yeah, that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the vision is, I think, down the road, there will be data services that serve up all of those different data types that you suggested, LIDAR and imagery and details about the construction zone at, at the engineering level and services that provide the rules and you plug them all together and then you get this system that's built in a sense on the fly in the cloud for the geography and then it may have very special rules because of the nature of this project from the the owner operator Mm -hmm. to get to that we need this kind of level of real-time interoperability right now we can do sort of the one-off which is what you saw to get to that next level that's a lot of work and that's a lot of different kind of data types and as you point out with a whole lot of different stakeholders from yeah. the user side from the technology side yeah what it's going to lead to i think also as you were talking i was thinking what a great way to involve and to have citizen engagement now we'll get to that that last group of users you know we, we love to talk about our technologists but the last group of people that probably want some involvement are the citizens themselves and if you had a service where you could serve up information let people engage with the design through our legislative constraints for example or environmental concerns you're providing something that um, they didn't have uh, in the past, and as we know, the visualization aspect is so very important. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From us here at Directions Magazine, we'd like to point you to some of our upcoming webinars. Today, as a matter of fact, you can turn Google Maps into a decision support portal with GAP. And also on November 19th, take in our webinar on 3D transportation and infrastructure planning with Esri City Engine and Lumen RT. For more information about all of our podcasts, please go to directionsmag.com slash webinars. If you'd like to comment about today's podcast, please write to us at editors at directionsmag.com. Leave a comment where this podcast is posted on Directions Mag or send us a tweet at Directions Mag. Thanks again for joining us today and be sure to tell a friend.